Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can we take the declaration of understanding, as we always do? We like to declare the word of God together. All right, all of us. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His Word. The Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen? All right, amen. amen. Again, understanding that is your special portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. And total healing from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, can you greet somebody on your left and your right? Tell the person, total healing is your portion. Total so whether you feel well or not, doesn't matter. Total healing is your portion. And that's for those who are feeling well. Oh. And those who are not feeling well, you are already healed. Amen. All right, let's take our seats. We are going to read the scriptures again, as we have been doing for some time in our school of prayer. So what I have been doing for some time is to lift the Lord up. David said, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So what we are doing is to exalt the Lord like David admonished. He said, let us exalt his name together. Let us lift his him high. Let us put him where he's supposed to be in our perspective. He does not change in himself. It is our own view of him that we are altering. We are lifting him up. We are focusing on him. You must understand from the scriptures that where your eyes are set determines what flows into your life. I hope you're getting my point. Where your eyes are set determines what flows into your life. And like I say again and again, let me say one more time. One major issue with life, what Satan is doing, what the world is doing, is to misdirect or redirect our eyes in the wrong place so that we'll focus wrongly. If you focus wrongly, you experience wrongly. If you focus wrongly and you're thinking wrongly, you will experience things that are wrong. What am I going to say? What is the source of life? What is the source of life? Sometimes we theoretically say, uh, we just with our mouth say that it is God. But in our practice, we say it is something else. For today, now I want to talk about the God who is the healer, all right? In our practice, we do something else. And, you know, if you want to know what you really believe, watch what you do. It's not what you are thinking. It's not what you are saying. It's what you are doing. That is what tells you what you really believe. Sometimes, you, you know, because, you see, faith is a spiritual substance, and it's not the same thing as feeling. It's not the same thing as feeling. It's not even the same thing as thought, okay? Even though it will manifest in your thought process, it is manifesting your feeling, but that's not what faith is. Faith is a spiritual substance, and you have to be careful to know what you believe. Many times you don't even know what you believe. You know what you are thinking, but you don't know what you really believe. If you want to know what you really believe, what you do is that you check the time of pressure. How do you react? How do you respond? That is what you really believe. That is what lets you know what you really believe. All right? So, check what you, I mean, how do you respond? Now, this is what I'm saying here. Sometimes we say that we believe that God is a healer. We believe that Jesus is the healer. We believe that healing comes from God. All right? But we'll check the amount of attention we pay to the other things that claim to be the source of health. We'll check the amount of attention that we pay to the other things. 
Like I, I give myself as an example, like I was saying, I was saying like a joke. There was a time, I mean, listen, please, let me beg you, don't get me wrong. People sometimes hear half of what I say, and then they carry it wrongly. I mean, there was a time people were saying that I don't believe that men should be nice. I've heard it before. The pastor is the reason why, that, why our husbands are not nice. You know, I'm going to ask my wife how she has tolerated me for 20 years. I'm a nice guy. Trust me. I am very, very... Okay, okay. It's not good to praise myself. Go and ask my wife. <laughs> and that's because people hear what, half of what I say, and then they run off with it. I say, we don't want nice guys. Doesn't mean guys should not be nice. What I said is, if you're going to marry, don't marry a man because he's nice. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. Now, talking about women now, a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. It's the same thing when it comes to a man also. Handsome, his beauty is, is, is vain. He, he, he has money, he gives. He knows it's my birthday, bribes me present. What I say is that, that a man fears God is more important. So if you see a man, he's very nice. Before you cough, he has jumped across WhatsApp to come and wipe your face. If you flash him, he doesn't call you by. He sends you 3,000 error credit. Are you getting my point? That's a nice guy. He's inferior to the man that anytime you tell him it's your bed, he has gone to church. He's not as good as that one. And I'm not church as in he's trying to please God with activity now, but he's going to hear the word. He's inferior to the person who you call. I'm not feeling well. And he says, put your, put your hands on your head. Let me pray for you. And he quotes three scriptures. And he says, don't worry, I'll see you later. And later on, and you're like, you thought he would see you first. No, he prays first. Sometimes you say what is wrong. And you him to be nice and say, no, Angela, you shouldn't talk like that. You know, the word of God, you know, you know if you say, come on, stop talking nonsense, my friend. The Bible says. That's not nice. Is that nice? But believe me, that's a better man to marry. Because the world will produce niceness later. Do you get my point? The man who doesn't fear God, when spirit possesses him. I've heard the story of men who are killing people and telling the person do. They are cutting him. Sorry, they are rubbing your head. They are cutting your leg off. Cutting your hand off and they are massaging your brain. And you, you have, be careful that you don't marry a man that can be possessed with an evil spirit. No matter how nice a man is right now, he can be possessed with a demon. So forget niceness. That's what I mean. But godly men, we will learn to be nice. Okay, let's have a meeting, guys. Sometime next month on how to be nice. I will teach you how to do nice things. <laughs> Nobody should carry my doctrine and twist it. I'm just saying let's know what is important. I hope you're getting my point. And seek first the kingdom of the man who fears God, and all other niceness shall be added unto him. That's all we are saying. Okay, now, no? Uh-huh. So let's not, uh, let's not be misunderstood. I know somebody like Israel, marry him, eh? Just be rubbing Jedi's head regularly. Does he believe in doing nice things? But he has improved over the last how many years? Is that not true? Okay, uh, he said, yes, he said, yes, sir. And he keeps improving every day. He's, are you hearing that? You see what I'm saying? Me too. I was not that nice before. But now, I can make my wife, you know, turn red. And she's not a white woman. 
It's not, it's not I. It is the grace of God working in me. And if a man uses grace to love you, you know what they call love. Love with the grace of God. Ha, calibus. It's a different thing. So that, please, I just want to explain my point because people sometimes they just, they just misunderstand what you are saying. Alright? So guys, please oh, try and be nice. Buy ice cream. No, you say sweet, sweet things. America? 12 o'clock, just call your wife out of nowhere. How are you doing? As I'm just, I can't even concentrate here. I'm thinking of you. So I almost jam one cake now because I was thinking of you. <laughs> you say things like that, all right? I'll teach you more later, all right? The Lord is good. So back to the other thing I wanted to say, so don't misunderstand me. So this is another point I was trying to make. So I say something like, people get up every morning, they are going to jog, they are going to exercise, thinking it's the source of life. It is not. So I didn't say jogging is a sin. Did I say so? No. I used to jog too. I still jog. I don't know when last I did, but I still jog. My heart. All right? You know, I was in an airport recently, a very, very big airport. So you could move from one part to another. Of course, they have uh, trains to carry you from one part of the airport to another. So my friend was monitoring my movement because I left his house. See, how far, how far? I said, my flight, I have, my flight is like three hours away, okay? So what I would just do is that. So I, what I did was that I walked from where I arrived and my departure gate, it was like walking from the beginning of the airport. I kept on walking. I walked. Why? I just said, it's a good point to exercise. Nothing wrong with it. I could have just entered the train. Phew! Dropped it at the end. I said, no, I'm going to walk. So I dragged my bag. I kept on walking. I, in fact, at, at the point in time, I got tired of walking. You know, some airports are so large. Do you understand? <laughs> so I believe in walking. So it's good. I hardly ever use a lift in a hotel if I can find the, step, the stairs. Once you're like the first three floors, I don't use the lift. I just go for the stairs. I walk up. I prefer that. Okay, so I'm not saying it's bad. However, there was a time I used to wake up in the morning, five o'clock. I've left the house to go and run around, like something is missing. I did that for some time, some weeks. Then one day, the Holy Spirit, I believe, sat me down and said, "Let's talk. What is the best time to study the Word? To meditate. It's around that five a.m. You can wake up at that time. That's the best time." You would not rather wake up at that five and be running around so that you can have a healthy heart, healthy stomach, healthy back. It means that you think that is the source of health. I stopped that day. That was the day I stopped. I'm not saying it is wrong. I'm just saying that if I can wake up at three, study scriptures, confess the word till five, then five a.m. I go out to go and run. Fine. But I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing it. Because I would just wake up. Once I wake up in the morning, five a.m., I quickly dress up, wear my canvas, you know, get somebody to help me lock the gate, and I go, you know. <laughs> After a while, I said, this is not the will of God. This is not the will of God. What you believe, that's what I'm going to say. What you believe. What is the source of long life? It's simple. Honor your father and your mother. God give, us, give that to us. Keep your mouth from speaking evil. Seek truth. Pursue it. Those are the things he gave to us. He didn't say run around Opera Square. He didn't say that. Watch what you eat. He did not say that. 
those things are, you know, the world, they put those things up for us. And of course, the one that makes me laugh all the time, is when my African brethren, they, have, they, they, don't, they, they, don't, they can hardly, I don't know how many eggs, they can count the number of eggs they've seen in their lifetime. Tell them that I don't eat egg, why? It contains cholesterol. They want to drink tea, don't put sugar, why? Because sugar is, listen to me, sugar is not bad. Too much of everything is bad. It is not the sugar that's the problem. You'll be solving problems you don't have. Why? Because they lifted those things up as if that is a source of health. So Christians go crazy following diet. But like I was saying earlier, I'm not saying exercising is bad. Of course, do everything in moderation. But please never forget, if you want to live long, get on your knees and ask God for long life. That's what I'm saying. If you want to live long, get on your knees and ask him for long life. And ask him to give you the prescription for long life for your life. Sometimes if somebody is overeating, it's not overeating, it's not too much food that's going to kill him. But the spiritual state that makes it impossible for him to be satisfied, that which is manifesting in his overeating. Some people, they are spiritual, spiritually, they are depressed. The joy of God is not in their souls. So you see them eating all the time. It's not because, it's not the food that will kill them. It's the depression of the soul that's going to destroy them eventually. They when they died, said that guy was eating too much. God said, no, no, no. In his spirit, there was no life. And so he compensated by putting everything he finds around in his mouth. Life is really a gift of God. Life is a gift of God. I was still watching one video the other day, of course, it was, I think, a CBN or Turning Point by a doctor who prayed for a patient. The man said, many of me have seen the video. All right? They said the man had a heart attack. The man drove himself to the hospital. He couldn't remember that, but he just called his boss. That's the last thing he remembered that he's not feeling well. They drove to the hospital. They collapsed in the emergency room. And that's it. His heart stopped. And they walked and walked. They called the cardiologist. He's a cardiologist now. He's not giving the testimony now. But now they won't give the testimony. So they walked on his heart for almost an hour. Finally, he pronounced the man dead. And as he was walking out, he just felt in his spirit the Lord said, Go back and lay your hands on that patient. And pray life back into him. Ah, he looked and said, What is going on? After a while, he obeyed the instruction. He went, put his hand on this, in the patient. And ask the Lord for mercy and ask God to give him life back. Then he turned to the nurse. Let's shock his heart one more time. They had worked on this man for almost an hour. They shocked the man's heart one more time. The man came back to life. It was a gift of God. There was one day, I think it was David Paulson, or they were telling the story of that day of a man who fell from like fifth floor. I can't remember the number of floors. He fell because he, re- he rested on the rail like we have in front of here now. He did not realize that the thing was rusty. So his weight pushed the thing off. And he crashed. He hit his head on the concrete. Of course, I do I need to tell you it was his corpse they picked from there and took to the hospital. And I think it was the next day he got up, shook his head and walked out. His bashed brain had been rearranged. So let's get these things clear. God is the one that gives life. He's the one that gives life. He's the one that makes, that keeps us alive. Any other thing doctors are doing, they're just doing their work. That's all I know. That's all I have to say. 
They can walk. <laughs> there have been healthy people that walked into hospital and their corpse was removed after a few hours. And let me not bore you with funny stories. Healthy people, nothing much wrong with them. A young man had a hernia. What is the big deal about hernias? Hernias, you know, people have it every day. One of the cheapest surgeries for young surgeons to do. He walked to a London hospital, not Nigerian hospital, London hospital. They, they put him in theater to operate his hernia. And somebody read something wrongly. They opened his chest. They, they, they thought it was a lung cancer patient they were supposed to operate on. This was long ago. Our lecturer was telling us that, that and that was our, the story I'm telling you cannot be less than 40 years ago. And then, of course, when they realized that they made a mistake, they quickly closed it back and wheeled him out of theater. He was about 30-something, early 30s, and he died. That's the funny part. There was nothing wrong with it. People have gone for surgeries worse than that. And they came back alive. He, they just opened the chest. Ah! We made a mistake. It's not him. It's not him. Close it. Close it. They closed it back. And he died. Not in Nigeria. For he started abusing my beautiful country. And that one happened. That, that was about 40 years ago, right? Or more. But one happened last year. This time around. Somewhere in New York. Grandmama fell down. Sprained an ankle or broke a leg. Took her to hospital. Then they said, okay, let them go and arrange the leg in theater. They pushed her mistakenly into the place that they are operating people's brains. <laughs> they drilled a hole in her skull and she died. So, <laughs> hey, listen, so no human being, none, no matter how skilled, has life in his hands. It's only God. Please, let's get it clear. Because every time people tell us they had the problem, every time they say, we're in this country, healthcare, you know, somebody will die. That's the problem. Healthcare in this country. Healthcare in this country. Carry your body, go in there. It doesn't mean you will live. Let me just drop it before I go on. Before you see a doctor, pray first. Don't even think the doctor will save you. Just use him as a source that is to balance your faith. You know, sometimes you cannot just sit at home. Maybe you don't have that kind of boldness. God is not angry that you went to hospital. Let's just get it clear. He's not angry. Just that the first thing you do is to get down your knees and say, Lord, I'm supposed to see the doctor today. But you know, you've heard what Pastor Banky said. <laughs> what is man? You understand? You know, you are mindful that we are both flesh. He's flesh. Christ is the one who trusts in flesh. Who makes the arm of flesh his strength. Trust in man. Say, Lord, I don't want to trust in anybody. Please help me. Because there are some, look, there are all kinds of human beings that put the title DR in front of their names. All kinds. There are students that, as teachers, you mark his face. For the rest of life, when you see him, you become well automatically. This guy is not treating me. Yeah, it's true. Now, so the point I'm making is this. So, let's get it. I'm just telling all these stories to let us know. Of course, there have been stories in which, in fact, let me tell you two. two. One I've told many times. Ben Carson's story, of which the doctor, the all doctors said this child is dead. There's nothing we can do. The parents said, the Lord said we should meet you, Ben Carson. And he was able to help them, and the child lived. There was one of our, well, I didn't know the patient, but I know one patient, okay? But there's another patient I know of, I heard of one we were in school, of which, um, yeah, another one, in the end, here, one when I was in Benin, 
He was abroad, student. Had a liver problem and all of that. Went to a hospital, I think, in Australia. They trusted everything. Finally, they said that this guy is too sick. He's going to die. So he came back home. Of course, when they discharge you from a hospital in Australia, you don't think you'll be helped in Nigeria, do you? That's how we think. But when he got home, the people said he can't die at home. They carried him to UBTH, University of Benin Teaching Hospital. And those ones did what they normally do for everybody that has that kind of situation. In fact, our lecturer used it to teach us that time. Then anytime you diagnose a case of this kind of cancer in the liver, remember you may be making a mistake. So always treat these drugs are not expensive, they are very effective. It could be this. So treat. So the guy came, they checked him and said, okay, we agree with the people in Australia that you have this, but we have a rule. It could be a mistake. Let's try this. They tried it. One month later, it was totally well. A few months later, I went back to Australia to go and continue his studies. They got there and said, what did happen? <laughs> you guys said I will die. <laughs> My people at home say I will not die. Yeah. It really happened. They treated him. In fact, I remember the lecturer gave us a lecture that time. using to explain a point. The young man went back to school, having been condemned to death. There's another one I heard of when I came to UNTH here. He told me that one big man, one big bank in Nigeria, he had a heart problem. So he went abroad. They assessed him, did everything. They decided that it was no longer operable. That was, I think, somewhere either in the U.S. or in the U.K., that this condition can no longer be operated. So you go home, put your house in order, for you shall die and not live, unless you can get a heart transplant. So he came back home and went to UNTH here. And they collected a team of surgeons and physicians put on his case. They had a clinical meeting. Say, what do we have to lose? Nothing. He's going to die anyway. So let's do the best we know to do. So they put him on some very wicked drugs, in quotes. Drained fluid from his body. Finally, they did what everybody all over the world said don't do. They took him to theater. Repaired the valves in his heart. The man went back to work. <laughs> they had condemned him to death abroad. He went back to work. After a few months, he was so excited in the bank where he was working, brought 20 million naira of those days and endowed a research seat in the hospital there. Now what? We sent this guy abroad, spent all kinds of money on him. They returned him to us that he's no longer helpable. And you guys cured him in, the, in a few weeks. What are you guys doing here? So you see, I'm balancing it for you. So God can save with a multitude. He can stay with a few. He can be at home and get healed. Some people he sends to hospital and the doctors help them. But never for one moment think help belongs to the doctor. No, that it comes from him. He does not. That's what I'm going to explain. So in life, we should magnify the Lord. We should exalt him. No matter what you hear of, you know, remember the story which we tell once in a while. Ebola hit Nigeria, remember? That man brought it on a plane to Nigeria. We looked to the Lord, asked him for mercy, drove the thing out, killed a few people, but if you remember, he killed more than 12,000 all over West Africa. When he came to Nigeria, we cursed it, and God showed us mercy, and we drove it away. Killed about, is it about 10 of our people, but we said, thus far and no further. And when CNN will report it, I couldn't believe my ears. The report of CNN was shocking. When they saw the way we contained it and pushed it back, because it had ravaged countries like Sierra Leone, Liberia. It had killed thousands and thousands. It entered Nigeria in less than a month. It couldn't progress anymore. God gave us wisdom, and he set the stage. They took the man to a very high-profile hospital, thereby restraining the number of people he came in contact with. 
And a woman gave her life for it. She was the one that detected that this was what was going on. The woman is a great-granddaughter of Samuel Ajayi Crowther, the man who translated the Bible into Yoruba language. The first Anglican bishop in Nigeria that's a black, that's a Nigerian. That's his great, I think his great-great-granddaughter. So there's something in the family <laughs> about saving people. So the woman, you know, she observed it. Said, the man wanted to discharge himself. She said no. That you are, they, they invoked diplomatic rights. She said no. You are not leaving this hospital. Locked the door on him. They threatened all kinds of the woman said you are not going anywhere. That was God because these people had come to take him. They invoked, because he was a diplomat. She said no, you are not going. I'm sorry. I think you are infected with Ebola virus. And you are not spreading it in my country. She died for it. Oh, oh a few days later, she took ill. And she died. But we continued. God helped us. Fashola was governor in Lagos that time. He put all the resources available. The story I like to tell is one nurse that was there came to Anambra State here for a wedding. Fashola sent two ambulances after her. They, they caught her where she was doing wedding. Put her in one ambulance. Put her husband in the second ambulance. Put them in two separate ambulances. I ferried them back to Lagos. I went and quarantined them. Say, no, sorry. You've been exposed. You can't go anywhere. I can assure you, they will take the name of everybody else that came for that wedding. But the point I made, after a few days, bam, the whole thing was over. CNN said, what? Well, you see, Nigeria could do that because they have an existing infrastructure and they have a good health system. That they, they... I said, what? <laughs> Is it the same country I hear you report about all the time? All of a sudden, we had a good infrastructure, that we had an existing health system, we had this, we suddenly had everything, all of a sudden. You know, if they had gone the other way, they would say that's the problem of corruption. That because of corruption, because they would tell all kinds of stories, but we, we see from above, we don't see from beneath. We knew that what happened is that even me, in my house, here in Kingdom World, all over churches, all over Enugu, all over Nigeria, in Lagos. People said, no, if this thing enters this, Lagos has more people than most American cities. Lagos has a population of almost 20 million human beings. Living shoulder to shoulder. Are you getting my point? Very closely packed. And we said, no, no. If that thing hits Lagos, the whole of Africa is gone. So we prayed. And God showed us mercy. And the mercy manifested in those steps that we took. They now give the glory to existing infrastructure. But we know the truth. Tell your neighbor, we know the truth. We know who's the healer. We know who said thus far and no further. You don't have to repeat that. We know who did. He said thus far, no further. And then the plague ceased. The plague ceased. So what are we doing? We are lifting up his name again and again. We are lifting up his name again and again. We are lifting up his name again and again. A couple came to me once. I was working in Lagos that time in a private hospital. You know, somewhere. Anyway, I think I attended the wife's labor when she delivered. And she had a little boy. So one day they came. The boy was growing. And I said, they have a question. Nothing wrong with them. They just had a question for me. I said, what is the question? How soon would they know whether their child is a sickler or is not? I said, ah, that's why they have come. 
But that they found out that he's AS, his wife is AS, and this and this and that. That was their first child, a boy. So I said, but we have the boy already, Abby. Yes, of course. I attended the labor. The boy was in front of me. I just closed all the books in front of me. My stethoscope, everything, I pushed it to one side. Pulled out my Bible and opened it. I said, <laughs> what has been done has been done. The boy has been born. How will you help me or help yourself or help the boy by coming to know now? I said, let's solve it now. I just opened simply to Psalm 127. I said, children are the heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is a reward. Blessed, not cursed, is a man who has a quiver full of them. I said, God has given you a blessing. The, man, the woman was like, ah, Pastor, doctor, thank you, thank you. I've been telling him, thank you, no need to worry. I said, oh God, there's no need to worry. Somebody said, hey, but what you are saying, what has, how is that going to help them? My God changes the past. That's what I want to tell you. I don't believe that he doesn't change the past. So he thanked me and he left. I said, okay, don't worry about it. Just go. How you find out? I refused to discuss. I said, just go. Then one day I was in a Kedja in the afternoon. The man was a banker. So he saw me on the road. Ah, dog. Then he went back to the hospital. They didn't see me. I said, oh, sorry. I left. That, um, that I've left that place that I work in the teaching hospital and I'm doing my residency training. He said, in what? I said, in pathology. So we talked about it. He knows what pathology is. So, so you don't see patients? I said, no, I don't. Ah! He said, no, that should be seen patients. Oh. Now that's how I come I know what the word had, the effect it had on him. He said that I can help really help people. That's that is, I realized that that short conversation, which didn't seem like it impressed him at all. I'm sure he changed his life. He touched up and that boy grew up. Because this was long after. I knew that boy was bouncing around feeling very happy. <laughs> That's, the, that's what I did for the man. I just said, I don't have anything to say. Let's just read this word together. You know the word of God has life in it. It has life in it. What I would say, we're just lifting, listen, the world and Satan, try, they try to take our eyes away. That's what we've been talking about. From where, they've been taking us away, our eyes away from the position that God occupies. God said, I am God, there is none other. Why? Other things try to pretend like they are God. A man is not doing well. He says that it's only if I can if I can just get to America, I will do well. What they are saying that America is what the source of prosperity, and that is God. He's the source of all things. He's the source of health. That's what I'm talking about today. He's the source of health. He's the one that determines when people will die and when they will not die. He looked at Israel and said, "Everybody will die before they are old." He said, "The next forty years, everybody will die." No matter, look, start yoga, start uh, calinestics, all of those funny, funny things they do to keep fit. You were going to die if you, dis- if you disobeyed. If you agreed with the other ten people and did not agree with Caleb and Joshua, dying, you shall die. That is, there was nothing. You either die by accident, die by snake bite, die by sickness, heart failure, rock will fall from the sky. Something will just happen. You will die. Why? The Lord had released a decree that anybody 20 years and above in this congregation was going to die. Whether your genes were perfect too, they checked all your genes, not one mutation, you will still die. But if your name was Caleb 
and you were born with all kinds of genetic problems, the genetic problem will go into suspension. You will live till you are 85. You will fight giants, take Curious Alba, convert the name to Hebron, then you will die in peace. I used to wonder who was checking Abraham's blood pressure. <laughs> no, I thought about those things. They said, go and check your eyes. Check your eyes regularly. Who was checking Moses' eyes? Sometimes we want to operate by worldly wisdom. Let me say something to you. Worldly wisdom works. I just don't want to operate by it. What do I mean by it works? Adam was cursed. Two of us. He said, from the sweat of his brow, he will eat bread, right? What does that mean? If he sweated, he will eat. Blessed people are not like that. Many blessed people will now go, see one Adam that sweated and sweated, and then he got bread, an abundance of bread of sorrows. They will now write a book on how to labor and succeed while operating under a curse. They won't put the last clause. They just say how to labor and succeed. They will not f- remember to tell you. They are taking these lessons from the life of a man that disobeyed God and was cursed. And but part of the curse, there was small alleviation that if you labor hard enough, you will see bread. So they write a story, whole story on how the man got plenty of bread, forgetting that they could have removed themselves from under the curse. Life is not an accident. Everything you see in life is spiritual. I hope you're getting my point. The power of God is available. One of the desires of my heart these days is to pray and see people get well. To see Christians walk in health. He said, I desire, John was saying, the elder, above all things, that you prosper and be in health. The man wanted people to walk in health. Unable to walk in health. If any Christian dies these days, I don't think what happened, that is physically. He said, what happened was that, you know, he was deficient in vitamin Q. There's no vitamin like that, though. I don't think like that. I keep on wondering, was he walking in love? Was he disobeying the will of God for his life? Was he making mockery of holy things? Did he refuse to honor his father and his mother? I hope you're getting my point. Did he, give his, did he give, commit his mouth to speaking deceit? Ah, was he mocking holy things? Those are the things that come through my mind. Where did God send him to go that he refused to circumcise his firstborn? Are you getting what I'm saying here? Why didn't he circumcise that boy? You know, you're just thinking. It doesn't cross my mind because anything you see, the death is not an accident. It's not an accident. These things are spiritually determined. They are spiritually determined. Spiritual things are real. We saw how Aaron died. How did Aaron die? They removed his garment. He had lived and lived, assisting Moses. God said, all right, the order of priesthood will now change. His son is taking over. I wanted to put Eliezer in his place. So what do I do? Remove his cloth. <laughs> remove the priestly robes on him. And as soon as he removed the priestly robes, Aaron died. And when it was Moses' time to die, the man was healthy. 120 years. Strength intact. Eyes not dim. Yet God said, did I not tell you to speak to that rock? What did you do? You struck the rock after insulting everybody. You will not see the promised land. So one day God said, come, shoot him the promised land, lie down here. And told the man, die. And the man died. 
Ezekiel stood up and began to prophesy. And people were dropping dead around him. Healthy people. So let's get it clear. Life is spiritually determined. Death is a spiritually determined appointment. If anybody wants to live, you go to God and go and pray. You don't jog your life into long life. And Jesus said it before. Which one of you, by taking thought, you know, watching his diet, can add one, one, you know, five minutes to his life? You can't. You can't do that. Forget what people tell you. You can't do that. You know, one of the reasons why I just got tired of some of those things, I laugh. Everything kills now, you know that. Before they said cigarette smoking kills, which you should kill anyway. Why should anybody be smoking in the first place? After what they said, chopping egg kills. After 30 years, they said, no, 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 that was a mistake. It's not the egg. Don't worry, chop anything you like. Just don't chop this kind of oil. It's okay, fine, thank you. We'll soon change your mind about that, no problem. The one that now made me laugh, and I, look, I'm medically trained and I don't believe it. They said, we finally found out what is killing you. I said, you told me you found out the other one before. He says, eating sugar. I said, the day I heard that one, I laughed and laughed and laughed. I said, I don't believe a word of it. And I prophesied, even though it was not a prophecy, it was a prediction. I predicted that this would not last more than three years. Do you know it didn't last more than, I don't think it lasted two years. As I earlier on this year, they released another publication in one of the biggest journals in the world, gathering some of the data they have from all over the world together and saying, no, sugar is not the problem. It's already out. There is too much of everything that is the problem. I said, oh, so you needed to do research to know this common sense thing. They added another one to it. Should I tell you the one that they added to it that will make you laugh? Start laughing before I tell you, because so that you will laugh. Because if I tell you, they say sitting down is what kills people. <laughs> I'm not joking. That sitting down for, is it one hour? I've forgotten anyway. They did the calculation. But anyway, sitting down for eight hours a day at work is equivalent to smoking a whole pack of cigarettes or something like that. That's so, please stop sitting down at work. So what should we do? They now design offices where people stand up. I'm not joking. You know, anything I'll tell you like this. You know, Google is your friend. Just, when you finish here, bring it out. Just write it on Google. Let Google show you the things that have been said. And with facts, so facts. You know, suppose statistics. Let me tell you another one that will make you laugh. As part of the sitting down principle. Let's assume that you jog every day for three hours. Okay, let's say. Make it easy. You jog one hour in the morning, one hour at night. But you now sit down six hours during the day. That the two hours is not saving you from the bad effects of the sitting down six hours. So what do we do? All of us now go and join Udechuku. Because Ude does not sit down. I said, eh. When I saw that one, I said, I laughing again. I said, I laughing. I said, don't worry, you'll soon change your mind. you soon tell us that sitting down on hard chairs, what the problem is. Very soon they tell you drinking water is what the problem is. All of this is the operation. You know, it's called the eating of the fruit of the knowledge, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what happens. That's what happens. When people are eating wrongly, they, they have to keep fiddling around. Like I said, they don't bother to study the things the Bible says. Sit down and say, okay, this, I gather 200 or 1,000 young men and women. 500 go to church and honor their father and their mother. 500 don't go to church. They don't, after they graduate from school, they don't talk to their father and their mother. Let's see who lives long. You will find out that the difference in length of life is directly, I mean, it will be so glaring. Because the Bible says so. Gather 10,000 young men and women. Find the ones who tell the truth all the time. 
and check the ones who have a habit of telling lies. Compare their lives. You will see what God said will turn out to be true. But we don't research it. We research those who eat this and those who eat that. And my problem is Christians will now take it. And be trying to harass my soul. I say, ah, you should know better. I say, I know better. That's why I'm telling you that what you're saying is nonsense. I've asked people before we are discussing. He say, you know, I don't eat sugar. That's why I look like this. I said to the person, you are saying that in the presence of a doctor. I said, are you a doctor? No. What do you know? Should I give you my qualifications and the books I have read? That no, this kind of thing is not good. I said, who, say, who said it? You make up your mind. Either you are quoting the Bible for me or you are quoting medical science. Both of which I know. Yeah, people just you know things they read on WhatsApp. I hope you know. WhatsApp means somebody anywhere wrote it. And even if they put somebody's name, somebody just typed it, you don't know who really did. You've seen all the quotes from Robert Mugabe. <laughs> Which Robert Mugabe never said. They'll tell you any man that can eat pepper with his eyes open can kill somebody. Nam de Azikwe, 1942. <laughs> So please, all kinds of things that on the, somebody says on the internet. On the internet, I hope you know what they call internet. I can wake up today now and open a website called Jesus is coming again in 2020.com. You know that? It's $15. I can get somebody to host it for me for free. As long as I put adverts there and ask them to write all kinds of things. And I, I will now write there that this has been scientifically tested and proven. And people will copy and be sending links up and down. Now see adults changing how they eat because of what somebody who they don't know wrote. Anyway, like I'm saying, this is what happens when we have taken the position of God and replaced it with science. The position of God will replace it with all kinds of things. We remove his power from our lives by keeping our eyes on a false God. No matter how much God has used science to bless us, science is not God. No matter how much God has used doctors over time to keep you healthy, they are not God. It's not the country you live in, no. It was a doctor that killed Michael Jackson. I hope you are aware of that. And he went to jail for it, for negligence. Gave the man medicine to sleep. And the man slept, and is still sleeping till today. I hope you are getting my point. So no matter how much doctors have helped you, they are not God. And they do make mistakes. The only protection you have is to trust in God and lift him high all the time. Let's open our Bibles. So that's what we've been doing. Putting God in the right place. Of course, in our own view, we're not the one lifting him up. We're talking about in our own view. That's just it. Making sure that we see him rightly. He's the Lord that heals us. Quickly, let's, let somebody open to the book of Exodus. Can we rise to our feet? Let's read this together. Exodus chapter, chapter 16. What we are reading is not just about hidden, but about God. That's what we are reading. Exodus chapter I want all of, all of us to read together from verse 23, Exodus chapter, um, chapter 15, sorry. Chapter 15, from verse 23. Are you there? 
Okay, let's just read from verse 23. Are you ready? One to let's go. And when they came to Mara, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do what is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and will keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healed you. I want us to read that last phrase again. Alright? That's very that short phrase. It said, For I am the Lord. Let's read it again. For I am the Lord, I'm your healer. One more time. I the Lord am your healer. I'm reading that from the New American Standard and that particular line. Let me just read out to you again. He said, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. Before we read it again, let me just say something that I, I, I learned. It was there a prince that was teaching and explained this. That that word healer there, the word is doctor. That the correct translation should be, For I, the Lord, am your doctor. He's a doctor. Somebody say amen. When we call him the great physician, it is the truth. And with him, nothing is incurable. With him, nothing is what? Incurable. I said something to us before. Listen, let's, all, let's learn to treat God. Not, mm, how do I say this? Let's not treat him like God. That is like, he's just broad from the east to the west. God. No, cut him to, in quotes now, pieces. Look at him piece by piece. If you are sick, you are going to see God the doctor. And I think you should make an appointment. Tell yourself, I will see the doctor this evening by 5 o'clock. Do you understand my point? At that time, go into your house. If you like, kneel, but just think about, I, I don't want you to kneel. In your mind, you know, how do you normally see a doctor? You sit down. So go to your dining table, clear the other chairs, remaining only two. One on that side, and one on this side. Sit on one. It's prayer you are praying, no? I say, Lord, I need to see you. My eyes, always aching. I don't see when in this one anymore. Well, they've said all kinds of things that scare me. They say it's glaucoma. One said, I've not been checking whether I'm diabetic or not. That maybe I'm going blind. Say, Lord, I know you love me, so I want you to touch these eyes and heal them. I hope you're getting my point. This will sound funny. Lean forward and say, Lord, touch it. Touch them. Some people will do that and they will literally feel the touch. Some will not feel anything, but the eyes will begin to improve. Some will be at home next day. A friend will come and say, Ah, what's wrong with your eyes? Ah, wait, wait, wait. Come, take, eat this. It's because you lack so and so and you eat it for two days and the eyes become clear. 
different ways it is the Lord that is healing. I hope you are getting my point. I pray we'll treat him like that. There is nothing that is incurable. The problem we have a lot of times is simply just God, God spanning the whole sky. We don't even know what exactly he is. So worship him, worship him in the morning. Then go and swallow everything one man is saying in the evening. Then when the man has finished lying to us and we have believed everything because we're in a white coat. And everybody is a title doctor these days. Are you getting my point? Nigeria is a position now. When you hear the word doctor, you have to ask the person which one is your own. Because uh, Mr. Water is a doctor. Osa is a doctor. And when you get to the hospital itself, the hospital has many kinds of doctors. Some is PhD. And the person is, is, is a, he has a PhD in economics. Was working in the planning and accounting department. And they call it Dr. This. And he will tell you something. No, don't be. He said, you know the lie they tell to people all the time. You know the lies now. Don't eat yam if you are diabetic. Don't eat rice. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. What if you need to hear everything? Say, what am I supposed to eat? The lie will now continue. Eat beans on rye plantain. I hope, that, I, don't, I hope you know medical. That's the most stupid thing you can tell a human being. But most people believe it though. They don't eat, say, eat beans and on rye plantain. Why? Because you are diabetic. I'll just be looking at them like this. Hey, which medicine are you practicing here? <laughs> they give some advice. Eh? Doctors will give advice. And I'll look at the doctor and say, you want to give the doctor a knock? When the patient has done why do you tell that person that one? There are people who say things. It's not what they taught them in medical school. But because they have the title doctor, he takes his traditional herbal. His father, is, his father was a traditional doctor. <laughs> you believe everything. Confusion is for those who don't look at God properly. If you look at him properly in the morning, call him the doctor. They will help you filter all these jokers that come across your way the rest of the day. Let's read that again. This time let us declare the Lord, say after me, the Lord, the Lord is the doctor. Is the, doctor. The, Lord the Lord is our doctor. Is our doctor. The, Lord the Lord is my doctor. Drop the word healer. Because you, you are not brought up to think of healer. You are brought up to think of doctor. So when you use the word healer, you, you think it's a church problem. The Lord the healer. No, he's the Lord the doctor. Like I say, sometimes you will lie down and say, Lord, it's my back. When do you want to do the surgery? You just lie down there and say, Lord, straighten this back for me. Jesus, people will come to Jesus, he will ask them, what do you want me to do for you? Say, give me my sight. It's okay, no problem. You touch their eyes and they can see. It's okay, your sight, alright, um, which drug should I use? They touch my sin, it will not work for this. You know, touch my sin. That touch, uh, it doesn't work for this one. So I'm going to use clamoquine. So they will take clay, Mix it with water. It's medicine. That's why I call it clamoquine. That's clamoquine. Now put it on the eyes. Say, don't worry, let it soak in. Let it soak in. Keep the eyes closed. Let it soak in. Now, I need like one hour for it to soak in. So, what do I do? Let me keep this guy busy for one hour. Go to the pool of Siloam and go and wash. He has calculated it. It will take one hour for the guy to get there. It's not the pool that will heal him. Is a touch of the Lord on that clay. You must understand, 
man was formed from the dust of the earth. The eyes of man came from the dust of the earth. So Jesus just took and reformed new eyes for him, pasted it there. The eyes took time to soak in. So when they had finished soaking the substance of the eyes, he said, go and wash the remnant clay off. He knew it would take one hour for the work to be done. So he sent him somewhere far. Don't spoil the surgical procedure. So the man walked and walked. He got to the clay, to the pool. And washed off the excess clay. Opened his eyes. New eyes were there. Jesus is a doctor. All the genetic... He's a scientist. He's an expert in animal science. So this animal is not... It doesn't produce a lot. He said, okay, breed it again. When you want to do it, do this, do that. They produce offsprings. They'll be producing all kinds of milk. It's an expert. He did that with um, our brother now, Jacob. Laban wanted to skin Jacob out. <laughs> if the animal has spots or stripes, it's yours. So Laban removed everything with spots or stripes and gave him clean animals, pure white, pure black. Jacob said, oh, more. They went to the Lord. They said, what do we do? The Lord said, it's not hard. It's called genetic engineering. So we are going to re-engineer their genes. Not a problem. Not a problem. So how do we do it? He said, normally, it is called chiasma formation. There is deletion and insertion during gametogenesis and fertilization. So what we are going to do is that next time they come to meet, we will work. So what part do I need to play? You just cut the spots and the stripes, put it in front of them. And the animals, plain black, plain white, they will mate, give birth, see spots everywhere. Ah! Laban couldn't get it. God is a scientist. He's not a researcher. You know why I'm saying so? He doesn't research. He, he, he has declared the end from the beginning. Research for those who are confused. They don't know what they are looking for. Before him, everything is open. Don't ever go to God like something is incurable. Say, God, they can't cure it. I've come to you. Say it again. The Lord is my doctor. The Lord is a doctor. Let's start with that. Say, the Lord is a doctor. Say, Jesus is a doctor. Jesus is a scientist. He knows everything. What men will discover in 200 years? He knew it long ago. Say, Jesus is a doctor. Now say, Jesus is my doctor. He heals me. He cures me. He takes care of me. Like I said, there was nobody that came to him did not heal. Even the one that seemed like he was reluctant, the woman collected it. I hope you are getting my point. I know the truth about the Bible. The only gentle miracle they recorded concerning Jesus is only one. That's healing miracle. You know that one? The mother of Peter. That was the only person that had a fever. That he touched. It's not because he was not doing those things, but they were not worthy of reporting. He touched the woman's hands. Anybody with a fever here, whether it is, you know, malaria fever, typhoid fever, Ebola fever, whatever it is, in the power of that Jesus, in the power of his name, I curse it and I command it to go. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now you are healed. Amen. Every other miracle, healing recorded for him, they were serious things. A woman with the issue of blood. 
That one touched the medicine that he left behind. He was not even attending to it. Somebody was born blind. He handled that. One young boy had been having epileptic fits all his life. He handled that. People that had died, their organs had failed. He woke the organs up. That's the person we are dealing with. To show the power that he had. There was one that even died, they had embalmed him. <laughs> the, the miracles of Jesus had a progression to them. First person he healed just died just now. The daughter of Jairus. When he left, she was still alive. But then when he came to call him, by the time he got there, she had died. That means she just died. Woke that one up. Next one he met, he died in the morning. They were going to bury in the evening. That's widow of nine, the son. Progression. Then one day, there's this one that had died. They, they had embalmed him. They had, you know, he had, he had, you know, he was rotten inside. Four days. Then he came back and woke that one up. So that everybody forever will know that with him, nothing shall be impossible. Lift your hands and worship him. Say, Jesus, you are the Lord, you are the doctor. You are the healer, you are the doctor. With you, nothing will be impossible. With you, nothing is impossible. Say, I have made you too small in my eyes. I have focused on wrong things. I have focused on medicine. I see that's the source. No. You are the healer. 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 Let's open our Bibles. Let's read another one. Psalm 103. Everybody, Psalm 103. He's a surgeon. Somebody say amen. When kidneys are dead, doctors transplant. The first thing they do for dialysis, why they look for transplant? They donate the donor kidney. When they find, they now move and put inside the individual a donated kidney and keep him supremely surprised all his life. Jesus considers that too much of an effort. When kidneys are dead, he wakes them up. I want you to do something. Dare to pray for somebody. Take your hands, lay on somebody. Say, it's not me, it's Jesus. I want you to know that to him, nothing can die permanently. I mean, think about it. Lazarus died. And like somebody said, even one day, eventually, even he died one day. Another sometimes, he said, okay, lay your hands on himself and he rose up again from the dead. <laughs> so that's how great he is. When hearts have failed and failed and failed, doctors look for new ones to transplant. The problem with the heart is this. For you to get the heart to transplant, somebody else has to die. You know, with Jesus, it's not necessary. If we touch the heart like this, it starts beating again. Rearrange everything. I heard the story of one man went to hospital, somebody who needed a heart transplant, of course, down in Nigeria here. 
We don't transplant hearts yet in Nigeria, not because of the technology of the transplant. It's the technology of sourcing the heart that's a major problem. That's why they transplant a lot of other things in Nigeria. With the kidneys is normal, is done normally now in many hospitals in Nigeria, because that when you take it from the person, it's on one table. You just take it and move to the other person. But heart is more difficult. You have to keep the fellow alive, even though he's dead. You keep the rest of the body alive until you remove the heart, and you can keep their heart for some time. Sometimes transport it. So that technology is the one that is a bit too difficult for us. So. This guy did a heart transplant, which basically meant he had a death sentence. And the doctor just went, said, look, I came, to, I'm on, in, let me summarize this. I'm on assignment from the Lord Jesus. He said, I, he said, I know you have been praying. I am the answer. <laughs> That's what he said. I know you have been praying. God has sent me as the answer. He went, he came there, lay hands on the person. He said, Lord Jesus, give him a new heart. And he left. And the man began to recover. And the heart that was totally dead became totally new over the next few days. These are not folk tales. These are things that really happen. Psalm 103. We are going to read five verses. But we will read if the second portion of Psalm 1 or verse 3 many times before we go on to the rest. Or we will get to the end and come back there. Are you ready? I'm reading New American Standard. You read anyone you have. Let's go together. One, two, let's go. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Verse 4. Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion? Who satisfies your years with good things, so that you, you, your youth is renewed like the eagle. Now verse 3 again. Who pardons all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? That second line again. Who heals all your diseases? Say it, the Lord. Say after me, the Lord. He heals all my diseases. Say Jesus. He heals all my diseases. Say he heals all my diseases. Say all, no matter the cause, no matter the type, he heals all diseases. Every affliction, every ailment, every trouble in my body, he heals all of them. He heals them all. Jesus heals them all. Say with him, say it with him, nothing will be impossible. With him, no cure is impossible. With him, no disease is incurable. Say it in the name of Jesus. I receive his healing power in my body. I swallow the tablet of the Lord. I receive the injection of the Lord. He is my surgeon. I like one thing I read from the Red Prince. As a soldier in the British Army, he was sick, was in hospital for some time. After months, they couldn't heal him. He said once, he read his Bible from Proverbs chapter 4. He said, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ears, you understand, to my sayings. He said, he said they are like to others, find them and medicine to all their body. Literal Hebrew says medicine to all their body. He said, okay, listen, if it is medicine, it will have a prescription. So he broke it down, make a long story short, started taking it three times a day. Anytime he wants to eat... You open one portion of the Bible and read and drink water 
and say in Jesus' name. He did that. After a few weeks, he was totally cured. Then one day, a man asked him, Ah, you are well now. What happened? Ah, well, it just happened. Next day, the thing came back. When he did not give God his glory. So he went to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm very sorry. He started taking the medicine again. Then the thing disappeared. It was all over his arms and his legs. You know, it's a very serious skin issue. So after that, he asked him, Ah, you look well now. Ah, the Lord is the healer. I give the Lord praise. And that's how he stayed healed from that ailment the rest of his life. The word of God is medicine. One of our sisters, the other day, we had a discussion about something. I said, let me find you the medicine you will use. I sat down, compiled about 10 different verses of the scriptures. I said, take this three times a day until the full effect comes into your body. I like one thing that Kenneth Higgins said. Lilia B. Yeoman said it also. Um, John Gilly said something like that too. He said, I can get anybody healed of any disease. If they will give me the same attention they give to the doctors. He said, if you will give me the same attention that you give to the doctor, I will get you healed of anything all the time. The problem we have a lot of times is impatience. What G. Lake and Co. used to do is that they will make you come and come and be hearing the word every day. Coming to Bible study for them two times a week is not what they used to do. They used to teach every day. So they had, you know, hostels where people could come and stay. As long as they are venue now. They are preaching the word morning, afternoon, and night. When you come, some people will look at you, try and gauge the level of your faith, say you don't need prayer yet. Come for teaching. You go, go and eat, you come in the morning, you hear the word. You go and pray, come in the afternoon, you hear the word. Sometimes after hearing, after a week, the girl will say, this one, you are ready. They lay hands on you, you'll get well. If you don't get well, continue hearing. <laughs> Lillian B. Yeomans, that was where she went to um, the healing rooms of John Alexander Dowie. Took her one week to get cured of serious opiate addiction. Just hearing the word morning, afternoon, and night. At the end of one week, she was totally free. She was a surgeon and a physician. After that, she said, ah, this one works better. She abandoned medical practice. I started going around praying for people. Once somebody showed up with a huge tumor, I think on the face or somewhere one part of the body. I believe it was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Ministration of the Holy Spirit. So, so let's cut it with the sword of the Spirit. She took a Bible and hit the thing. The thing disappeared. John G. Lake laid hands on somebody who had what they call proud flesh, that is a kind of tumor. And his hands were burnt into the thing. The thing began to shrivel from the place where his hand was. Listen, this, coming to church two times a week is not what he produced those things. So Paul used to teach every day for three straight years. Everybody say after me, say in the name of Jesus. The healing power of God. It's working in me. Let's read again Psalm 147. Some of my most, of course, God has blessed me in different ways all my life. But some of the most dramatic testimonies I've heard, that is, I've experienced. I have so many of them. That's very dramatic ones. That is in the area of it, dramatic. I remember when my, those of you are doctors, you know what they call acute osteomyelitis. 
My sister developed it. I called my friend and we prayed. I didn't tell my father anything. He came to see me in school. I didn't tell him anything. I knew what the trouble he was in. I knew the trouble everybody was in. He gave me money I did not take. Because I reasoned that you need all the money you have. Because you are going to school the next day. I knew what I... Because when he told me the story, I was a final year student. I just need... He told me this happened, this happened, then this happened. I almost collapsed. I, I just kept calm while he was there. So he came to see me that they are going to hospital tomorrow. Give me money. I said, no, I don't need money. How can you see a student say he doesn't need money? He should have suspected that something was up. He tried to take. I said, no, 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 no. I don't need money. That the one you gave me last time, I was not yet finished. What he did not know was what I was thinking. That you will need all the money you have. But I called one of my friends. I said, please, we need to pray. And then we joined hands and we prayed. So as to save time, next morning they woke up at home. Everything had disappeared. Listen. Of course, there was no phone like this, those days, that kind of thing. What happened? I, we had agreed that I was graduating. So he said, okay, he will come back to school and help me pick my things. So I said, okay. So when he came, I was packing my things to put in the car that he would go home. I would just have a bag. So when I'm coming, I can come easily. I was graduating. That was my final year. I finished my exams. God has helped me. I had passed. So I was leaving. I just said, I said, ah, how, how, the last time you came, you said my sister was ill. What happened? He said, ah, I said, remember the show? Because he was, I was packing. He was kind of reclining on that time of the chair on the bed, just waiting for me to finish packing. He just sat up. He said, ah, when we woke up next day, we don't know what happened. The whole thing had disappeared. I didn't say anything. I didn't tell him, oh, praise God. I didn't say a word. Till he died, he did not know what happened. So many testimonies like that. I remember the day I woke up. I've told that one many times. I just woke up in the morning. I've been feverish for some time. I now woke up in the morning, saw my whole face and some other parts of the body full of no bumps, chicken pox. I took Bishop Oyedepo's tip. Supernatural living. I think was the one that says stirring up the gift. I think what is tip two or tip three. I sat down, listened to it for one hour. I said, faith is not how you feel. No, it's not your feeling. Faith is what is inside. I don't know. Sometimes you can't feel it. So I knew I needed to fill up that faith. And I'm like, you can't touch and know. But I needed to pour into it and fill it up. I just sat and listened to the word for one hour. When that word was done, I put my hand on myself. And I cast the chicken pox. Next morning I woke up. My face was totally, 100% clear. Even me, I would have started wondering, ah, are you sure? Except as if God gave, left a witness. Two of the lesions remained on one, on two of my limbs. One on one leg, one on the other one. But I would have wondered what happened. The problem we have is God is not dead. It's our faith that is low. No Instagram removed half of the faith. Facebook took the balance. WhatsApp now put it in negative balance, you know? Minus. We are so occupied with headsmen. And what Buhari is doing, we don't think about God who is the ruler amongst the nations. The King of Kings, Jesus, and the Lord of Lords, we don't contemplate him. So every disease, we fall for it. Every trouble, we fall for it. It's not only you, all of us. 
There was a day all my children falling sick one after the other. I asked my wife and I said, what did they happen? I said, look, it's, forget, it's not knowledge. I said, faith and knowledge are two different things. Knowledge deceives. That's why Paul said, knowledge pops up. Knowledge pops up. You will think you know it. You will become what the Bible calls an old prophet. <laughs> knowledge pops up. Just makes you think you know something. When you are, you don't know anything. Faith is down. So I told my wife, no, we need to do the works that boost our faith again. Not just knowledge. Whether you know it or not, read that portion of the Bible again and again and again. Keep reading it. It's not the knowledge that's the issue. It's the focus on Christ Jesus that's pouring in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The life is in Christ. The more you focus on it, the more it flows into you and produces faith inside you. I told you the story. As it repeated the other day, I'm just giving a few dramatic experiences I had over these years. Dramatic. My patient's kidneys had packed up. She had complicated typhoid fever. Her intestine was perforated. I was in a rural hospital in Taraba State. NYC doctor. And I said, God, no, I don't want this woman to die on my watch. And I went home and prayed. Ah, I still remember very well that they took me 40 minutes of intense spiritual battle. I remember my friend, my roommate, my flatmate. We had two, two rooms in the sergeant quarters we're staying. The pharmacist that was staying in the next room. He opened the door, saw me. He closed the door, said, man, this guy is busy. That woman still died, but they had to remove her from the hospital first. Because I refused her to die. The spirit said I need to kill this woman. But it was a spiritual issue. I said, not in my... That was my grounds of prayer. She be... She's... Next day I got to the place... Her fever had crashed. Kidneys had opened up. She was unconscious all this while. She opened her eyes and asked me in full full day whether she could eat. She was a full-handed woman. So I didn't know what she said. I turned to the interpreter. What did she say? She said that she's hungry. Ah! To me, that was music. You are hungry. I said, Father, thank you. But you can't eat yet. I said, don't worry. Let the intestine heal very well. I'll give you all the food you need. Then... The following, no, the day after the following one, the husband came at 7 a.m. in the morning and took her away because I normally get back, get down to work around 9. I just knew the woman was dead because I remember the prayer I prayed. Because the only grounds I had for keeping her alive was that this is my hospital, I'm in charge here. So the spirit said, No problem, Pastor, thank you very much. Instigated the woman, they removed her, and my prayer collapsed. Open your Bibles. Psalm 147. We are reading six verses. Are you ready? Psalm 147. Let's go. Praise the Lord, for it is good to seek praises to our God. For it is pleasant and, and praises becoming. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Read it again, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Continue reading. He counts the numbers of the stars. He gives, them name, he gives names to all of them. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. The Lord supports the afflicted. He brings down the wicked to the ground. Verse 3, one more time. He heals the brokenhearted 
and binds up their wounds. That is our God. That is our God. He heals mental problems. He heals depression. He heals anxiety. He heals fears. He heals all kinds of things. Let's put up our hands and worship him again. Say, Jesus, I worship you. Because you are the healer. That's what we are saying. He's a healer. You are the healer of my home. You are the doctor in my house. My diet will not keep me alive. I exercise so that I can say I exercise to, to keep fit. That's what I'm doing. You know? Tell the Lord. Tell the Lord. Tell the Lord. Whatever I'm doing is no, no, no. That's not the source. You are the source. Ask God to bring down your blood pressure. This one of taking medicine every day is not the will of God. Pray right now. Say, Lord, stretch forth your hand. The one where they normally, where, where they normally take the pressure. Say, Lord, see my arm. Bring down this pressure. I'm tired of being hypertensive. Say, pressure in any part of my body. Lord, reduce it to the normal one. Either in my brain, in my eyes, in my bloodstream. Any part of me. Where there's hypertension, Lord, I ask for your healing power. Pray for your loved one, your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband, your father, your mother, anyone that you love. That Syrophoenician woman, Jesus was not even going to answer her. She said, No, I will not leave you until you have blessed me. Essentially, he said, even the crumbs that fall from the master for the children's table as they eat with their father, does it not heal? That's what I'm asking for. <laughs> and Jesus said, Great is thy faith. The centurion came to pray for his servant, pray for your loved one, somebody you care about. Say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. No matter the disease. Terminally ill people. Jesus heals dead people. How much more those who are only terminally sick? This is a season of walking in divine health. Say, Jesus, I receive you today as my doctor. Put a hand on any part of you. Whether it's paining you or just think you should be touched. Just say, Lord, touch me here. Say to the Lord, I will come to clinic this evening. Or I'm in clinic now. Lord, put your hand here. They will come to him and say, that I might see. What do you want me to do for you? Say, I want to receive my sight. Let's read one more and we'll close with it. Isaiah chapter 53. How can we read about this and not read Isaiah chapter 53? Isaiah 53. If I will read two more. Isaiah 53. I want us to read from verse 3 to verse 5. Are we ready? From verse 3 to verse 5. Let's go. He was despised and forsaken of men, 
a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Verse 4 Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we are self esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Verse 5 But he was pierced through for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. Let's read verse 5 again. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. One more time, this time around, say, my. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. Let's go. He was pierced through for my transgressions. It was crossed for my iniquities. The chastening for my well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, I am healed. Take a minute and give the Lord thanks for that. Say, Jesus, thank you for bearing it. My grain, you took it. Cancer, you took it. Diabetes, you took it. Pain in my limbs, you took it. Weakness in my bones, you took it. Thank you. Thank you. Say thank you. Say Lord, thank you. Say Lord, thank you. Acts chapter 10. We'll read that and that's the last we're reading for today. Just one verse. Verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Are you there? Now let's read together. One, two, let's go. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Father, we give you praise. For the gift of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we give you praise for doing the will of the Father in our lives. Thank you for taking our infirmities, our pains, our afflictions. Thank you for taking them to the cross. Thank you for relieving us of them. Thank you, Lord, for giving us in replacement health, vitality, strength, even in old age. Thank you, Lord, for making the omens of bad genes no useless. Lord, thank you for imparting life. You are the original genetic engineer. Thank you, Lord, that every gene present here that's faulty, you are rearranging. Lord, you are rearranging into your perfect will. Lord, we speak concerning every body part present in this hall. Your will, which is perfection, be done in Jesus' name. Every body part in this hall, from the genes to the obvious things, from the bone marrow to the skin, in the name of Jesus, the will of God concerning perfection be done. Amen. Healing be perfected Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Just give the Lord in your own words. Give Him thanks in your own words. Give the Lord thanks in your own words. Let's say, Father, we thank you. 
in the name of Jesus we have prayed. 